five, isn't it? Yes. Oh! Lucky number five. everybody, and um, welcome to the Coffee Diaries number five a day. <laughs> Sorry, How number five. I hate five. when I, like when I go to edit these or watch them, and I cough, and it just sounds so annoying to me uh, when I cough. <laughs> So you edit it out? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, no, I have. I, I have lowered it before. Oh, I see. Yeah. So how are you doing today? Ah, I'm doing well. In London here, it's, uh, what's it, 8, 8 p.m., dark, gloomy, but spirits are high, and as always, still learning. Still learning. Still learning. Yeah, and dark is good. Yeah, um, we were talking about that the other day, weren't we? Yeah. Maybe seeing the darkness in um, a different way. Mm. Why don't you, uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, so, um, so often we've been told that the dark has been something dangerous and scary, but... In actuality, um, the trees, the flowers, the fruit, from, it grows from the darkness of, in the soil. And if we look at space at night, it's in the darkness that we can see the, the stars and the moon. Mm. And this space is um, infinite and it can hold all things. The infinite space holds all the planets, the stars, the moons. So if we can change our perception of how we describe the darkness and maybe uh, sitting that and allow them for our emotions to come up and not call them evil or bad or negative, but to see them as they are. If fear arises, let's look at it rather than push it away and rather than call it something bad or something we don't want to look at, just see it for as it is. If there's frustration, anxiety, uh, consciousness can hold this space and that which we are is untouched by it. It cannot be harmed or hurt by it, who we are at our nature. So maybe just look at um, darkness in a different way. And the yin-yang symbol is the light and the dark. We cannot have one without the other. Mm. And then from there, we're not pushing away uh, emotions and feelings. We are looking at them with a kind of maturity and wisdom and seeing them for as they are, no longer allowing these feelings to control us the egoic monkey mind, which is always on a step ladder, going round and round. Let's see you. Because uh, I guess what is fear? Fear is just a label for a energy in the body. Mm. Anxiety is a word for an energy in the body. 
can we allow ourselves to be still for long enough to see it rather than push it away? I think we've grown up, um, especially as men, um, denying these things. So mm. if you're frightened, say, no, oh, I'm tough, I'm strong, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, jealousy, no, it doesn't come up for me. Anxiety, no, I can do it. What about saying, yes. And there's that book, isn't there? What's that book called? Um, um, feel, feel the fear and do it anyway. Fear. Feel the fear. And do it anyway, yeah. There's a book. I don't know um, who wrote it. <clears throat> but, um, mm. Pulp Fiction? <laughs> <laughs> it may have been uh, Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> Yoda. Yeah. Uh, here's Danielle. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah so feeling the fear yeah and i there was some fear coming up within myself i was hearing my heartbeat you know saying oh you know there's, a, there's my heartbeat hello <laughs> is it danielle soames is, am I pronouncing yes. it correctly? Okay. You got it. Yeah. You got it, Adair. I mean, I've only <laughs> known you for how many years? I don't know. <laughs> we, we won't disclose that information, so, but, you know, I was I was uh, roaming on the wrong browser, and then, you know, I got booted off. So I was like, oh, man, I set my alarm for 3.05. So hello, okay. hello. Hello. <laughs> Grand Rising, Daniel. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Say go to you both. That means that's hello in Mohawk. Can you say that again, please? Say go. Say go. Say go. Yeah. Say go. Say go. Like, are you going? Say go. Yeah. <laughs> you going, going on. So, yeah, I was, I was hoping to share your podcast with my friends, but it's only on your friends group. So I couldn't share uh, it. It's not, a, it's not a public. Is there a reason for that? It should it should be. I'll <laughs> I'll make it public if you go to my page and share okay. it from there. Yeah. Yeah. So, can you do that uh, now, or or is it too? Uh, yeah. uh I you have to make it public on your page first. Yeah, and then so, I could I could share it. So I did that. But people can come back, right? They can come back and see it. Let me yeah. see right now. Yeah, I, I made it. I'm going to do it right now. So we were talking about. Um, there. We were talking about <laughs> listening to the, the body and letting whatever emotions are there to be there. And, oh. and, and looking at even the the idea of darkness uh, looking at it in a different way you know darkness being that which is you know the unknown the the yeah. the birthplace and ron was uh was talking about that and and um and i was feeling nervous as that was going on and and uh so i kind of whenever he's talking about something i'm usually 
experiencing it firsthand in, in real in real time. So Okay. Yeah. Wow. Well, I just uh, got back from Ghostbuster 2, and there was some darkness in that, too. Ghostbuster you know, maybe 2. Maybe a different. <laughs> <laughs> the, the film? A different type of. Yeah, the film. <laughs> I went to an early, an ah, early okay. showing of it. <laughs> yeah. How was it? But it's in a box. You know, the darkness is in a box, and it's let loose. Um, mm. it's, it's pretty entertaining. It's pretty good. I, yeah. I recommend it. There are some scary elements. I don't know about kids that are under 12 but now it seems yeah. like kids really they can encompass a lot more than when i was a kid although mm. i say that and then i saw you know um what was it poltergeist which terrified me for years i think yeah. i was only eight or something <laughs> was, i was so scared <laughs> but yeah so so what are you guys talking about this morning or this afternoon I don't know what what time it is. I honestly oh. thought yesterday I thought it was I thought it was Friday and I I wished or wait yesterday was Friday, right? Wait, mm. what is today? Today <laughs> is Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I guess yeah. it was this morning. <laughs> you know, okay. I, I I gotta say with the whole COVID thing, my whole time lapse is gone i have yeah. no idea what time it is and working remote and living life through the screen yeah i don't even know where i am half the time but anyway i was saying to <laughs> what's the, time to, what's time anyway <laughs> exactly i said to the uber driver i'm like oh i, I hope you had a terrific uh, day yesterday and he was mm. like what was yesterday i'm like well it's thursday and he's like no it's, it was friday i'm like today's saturday <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so and it's still saturday man this day's long <laughs> it, 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 it is one big moment <laughs> <laughs> no but it's it's a little strange you know like getting back into the usual um day daily grind you know mm -hmm. um manhattan's a ghost town right now and there's like no one around yeah which um is nice but <laughs> when, when you're used to the hustle and bustle um, and then last weekend, it was really busy, it was really busy. Mm. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's nice. I live by the park. I live by uh, Storia Park in okay. Queens. And, yeah. um, you know, that's been a real uh, place of peace for me. And I live by the water, so uh, seeing the boats and seeing the sunsets and and the sunrises, it's just it's so peaceful and um, centers me a lot. It was yeah. a really great change um, to leave the city. I, I lived smack dab in the middle for years, mm. so it's, it was a nice change, and it really um, allowed me to just kind of be one with myself and. Um, be centered and do a lot more creative stuff which uh is exciting you know how about you how have you all been handling yourselves during all of this crazy time how do you center yourself and make yourself you know at peace um i i, I scratch and claw 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, hanging on to the to the ledge, but yeah, I I, I go to nature. I um I make noises. I like making noise. I like just go ah, and I tap myself. And then I kind of make a song from it and then I, you know, I I do that. I'm I need oh. to make sounds and and you know, go out in nature. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Do you ever find yourself like right afterwards you you've you've uh, discovered you have your own little group that's surrounded you to like come or no, people are like walking away and letting you be. <laughs> You know, oh, you start your own yeah. following. <laughs> no, you know, I do it in nature and nobody, yeah, nobody's come. And I'm usually facing the opposite direction. I'm facing a little stream. But I've always had, like, there's this, like, fear of the unknown people, you know, and, and these insecurities that come up. But now I'm starting to... At the end of it, I'll turn around and maybe I'll do some things turning towards people. So I'm starting to direct outward to, to others and to open up that sort of channel, you know, to the heart nice. or to whatever. To, yeah. yeah. I find that when you do that, when you allow yourself to open up, uh, people kind of latch on to that and then they want to be a part of it you know yeah. um they gravitate towards that uh positivity and mm. then you just have to be careful of your own time and space and allowing others in because there's a lot of people that need positivity right now yeah and um it's good to be in that space but you know just from a friend perspective, just be like cautious of all those people coming at you, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, I went through a hard time last year. That was, uh, that was rough. And I was along with a lot of other people that just, uh, didn't know how everything's going to turn out and still, we don't know, but, um, but things are, they've improved a lot. Um, mm. and, I think that change of atmosphere really helped um, mm -hmm. because no matter where you go, you're going to be in your own sense of anxiety or fear, whatever you're going through at that time, you're going to be traveling with it, you know? And, yeah. um, and then when you um, change that pace and pattern and no one to ask for help or to um, get some guidance and friendship from others, then things can change around. And I think that's the sense of hope that a lot of people need. They need a lot of hope, you know. But anyway, I don't know how that came out. You just kind of bring that out of me. What's going on there? <laughs> that, that, that was great. Deep Thank thoughts. you. Thank you for that. Yeah. So, um, oh, it's so nice to meet you. By the way, this is great. I forgot that you were over the pond. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm in London, and it's um, in London. 8 p.m. here on. What time is it? 20 past eight right now. Okay, okay, and and you're faring well over there. 
Yeah, it's, it's going well. I mean, so, of course, like anywhere, time has been challenging for everybody. Yeah. Um, I was living abroad last year and I came back here. Okay. So I'm here in London. But I think this time has given opportunities and I've done things that maybe I wouldn't have had the time to do mm. if things were as they are. So mm. it's been, in some ways, a great blessing as well. Yeah. The people I've met, the things I've done, um, just, you know, being allowed to go into things has been um, learning how to use Zoom. (laughs) 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 And uh, start projects which, you know, beforehand I would never have dreamed that I could have done. Yeah. That's been um, extraordinary as well. And, you know, to do things like this with Ade, where we're learning about things, meeting new people, I'm meeting you today to find out you know to find out things you know and see where we can go yeah absolutely i agree with that it it really in in ways has been a blessing um i know like so i took in my mother my mother uh, was in assisted living and i was scared for her life every day and um, she has alzheimer's so it was a, a difficult task to change my life around because um I was more focused on the arts and just doing my own thing for so long and but I really wanted to spend time with her I wanted to take time off it happened but not in the way that I had expected it um and actually it, now things are more settled but w- what I was going to say about meeting new people I've said I've met a lot of new, a lot of care caregivers because people who could handle stuff and other people who couldn't. Um, and I don't fault them for it. Everyone's got their threshold of what they can manage and not everyone is built for, for Alzheimer's and the, the gremlin that comes within, but you know, mm-hmm. so you just got to go with the flow and it really is a lot of that go with the flow. Um, but I study teaching And um, in teaching, you have to manage and discipline. And it's a lot like teaching when you have um, a parent who has Alzheimer's or anyone who's a loved one that has Alzheimer's. You have to kind of get on their level. You can't like expect them to get on your level. Um, And that's like logistically and theologically. So like if you want the other person to get up you need to actually physically get to where they are and help them up and then also just kind of think about their struggles and what they can understand and not understand and go to that level of learning so it's been an adjustment but um luckily I found someone who's great and I have a really good friend who helps out too um and she's known my mom for years so I'm thankful for that and I'm also thankful for the time that I've had with her, mm. you know, it's been hard, especially hard to do projects, um, you know, self-focused projects <laughs> because a lot of this disease is much like taking care of children. Your life is not your own. Um, and so you have to think about others first. Um, but the beauty of zoom is that you have, um, flexibility And you have this opportunity to do different projects, like you said. And me too, I've done things I never thought 
I would do um, that were possible and meet people too. And also see how many people really just get it. You know, they've all been struggling in their own way and you Mm -hmm. see the humanity in others. So it's nice. It's nice. Um, You know, my mom, her first language is Mohawk. And um, being that it's at the brink end of Native American Heritage Month. um, (laughs) And and yesterday was the official Indigenous Peoples Day, um, which was coined by Obama, I believe. And I want to say it was uh, 2014 was when it happened, but I might be wrong on that date. So don't quote me. (laughs) But... Um, my mother, I took her to the, there was a, a museum opening at the Native American Museum, um, downtown part of the Smithsonian in Manhattan. And, um, the grand chief of Gunawage, which is where she's from, Gunawage, Quebec, it's about 10 miles south of Montreal, uh, was there. And we were looking at this exhibit. It was Native New York. And we're walking through and my mom's noticing things that are in her language. and. Um, my friend says, hey, isn't this the town where your mom's from? The grand chief overhears, turns around and starts speaking to my mom in like quick Mohawk language. And my mom turns around and responds in Mohawk. And um, it's just so beautiful to see that interaction, that that kind of thing happen. Plus, my mom's an elder. So like a lot of the elders are dying off. And the language is really something that they want to preserve. Um in the communities and also that's something that was lost and in like culturally and through the years that's been lost and language is you know that's how we identify ourselves is Mm. by the language you speak so i love to bring her back to things that kind of um click and and she's been going back like in memories of childhood days um, so bringing back to like the community and, um, to language is really important. Um, so things around Manhattan, whenever they have exhibits that might, um, might expose like language or culture of native heritage, I try and get my mom there, but it's hard. Mobility is a little difficult. So there are some programs that are online that, um, There's a program through Arts and Minds. They do, um, uh, I don't know if you've heard of it, they do a collaboration um, with museums and also with elders and and caregivers. And they try and bring those programs to people in their homes. So it's nice. It's really nice. Um, But like, you know, things around like uh, classical music or theater with the stairs and Anything with stairs is really hard. <laughs> so so I try and bring it back to her at home as best as possible. And also nature, just like Ade was saying, nature, when I go, I go on nature walks. And I mean, I call them nature walks, but really they're just walks to like get out. <laughs> For me, they're nature walks because I'm in nature. But I bring back pieces of nature back to my mom to kind of show her. Like, oh, look, the, the leaves are changing and look how the pretty colors and we can create something if you want. And she just loves the details of things. That's um, beautiful. Yeah. Is there any, is there any Mohawk songs that, that you sing or that you sing to your, to your mom? <laughs> uh, 
No, I actually, I make up songs a lot of times. Um, I yeah. just like, I'll riff with her a little bit. And well, she loves Andre Bocelli. So if I put him on, she's like in a mesmerized state. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's her secret boyfriend. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but um and then swing music and that kind of thing um she she doesn't um my mother grew up in Gunawage but there's two aspects of the reservation there's one that is called longhouse um in Mohawk reservation if you're longhouse that means that you grew up knowing about culture and tradition and she didn't grow up like that so much doesn't mean that she doesn't have aspects of it, but it just means that she didn't follow the creator in that way. Mm-hmm. So then there was the Catholic Church that came onto the reservations, <laughs> much the 1600s when the Jesuits came. That's how my mom grew up. She grew up with the Catholic Church, but the service was done in Mohawk. And mm-hmm. she has a, a Bible that is written all in Mohawk. So it's I mean, that's like a beautiful thing to see, but it's also sad too, because you're hearing a lot about these um, kids from uh, boarding schools mm. and, um, and that they're, I don't know if you guys want to go there, but just a little snippet uh, in Canada, there were a lot of children that were found at a boarding school and um, their bodies were found underneath this um land uh which used to be a school and part of that is boarding school is to strip the culture from the kids so that they could be um assimilated into uh the white culture you know a lot of kids lost their hair they had hair is very significant in native culture it's marks your beauty marks your your unity to your family it marks a lot of different aspects of the culture with strength and you normally cut your hair when someone passes. Um, and, but these kids had to cut their hair to kind of assimilate. And so, so part of like the Catholic um, church being on the reservation, it reminds me of that, you know, and, and so my mother grew up in that way. Um, and that was not that long after um, a lot of that, the, uh, the simulation happened and it happened up until the 19 actually 1996 was i think the last um boarding school that existed so not that long ago you know you think about this in our history so anyway so the culture for her is kind of mixed for me um when i went to the reservation at 14 uh, that's when i latched on to native heritage i i experienced my family um, for the first time, it was like new eyes. And then I got really involved in Native politics and um, membership and trying to help other um, other Indians come together and be educated and thrive. And then um, through membership um, and friendship, I became more of a leader in my community and um, someone that could help. Uh, break stereotypes. So that's been one of my missions is breaking stereotypes. And I'm actually working on a project that is focused on that as well, breaking stereotypes. Um, but what is what does it mean, you know, to be traditional, right? So anyway, 
I, I do follow some things like sage is very important to me. Um, when I smudge, um, smudging out, uh, I use sage to burn and, and smudge out bad feelings. And, um, and then like, say I went through some kind of trauma, want to get rid of that sense of trauma. So I use sage to smudge it out. But a lot of that is cleansing my mind and my spirit. And I do that with my mother too. I'll, I'll smudge her. <laughs> so she had really bad night sleep or not feeling good. And she'll let me, she'll let me, my, my, my husband doesn't like the smell, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. My kids we don't have like windows. it either. <laughs> oh, they don't like it. No. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a particular scent, right? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so that's, but unfortunately I don't have a song. There are songs, but um, I don't have a Mohawk song. I, I only have Twinkle Twinkle Little Star for you. <laughs> uh, uh, Ron, did you have any other, you had some questions, I think. Yeah. Um, so can you first tell us the importance of elders in the community? Yeah, and, and elders are culture bearers, um, and they hold on to traditions and language and um, teachings and lessons that are carried on. They say seven generations, right? It takes seven generations to, to pass it down. So elders are also um, the eldest woman in the community. It's called a clan's mother, and there are different clans that make up each nation. So I'm Wolf Clan. Um, in my Mohawk family, there's um, Turtle Clan, Wolf Clan, Bear Clan, Snipe, and there's also Deer Clan. Um, and the eldest person is normally the grandmother, um, or the clan's mother is the eldest woman that um, she's like a grandmother, and she selects the chief, the chief of the tribe. But the grand chief is someone who is elected. So that's different. Um, there's the chief of the tribe and chief of the clan. And then there's also grand chief who um, speaks on behalf of government officials and speaks on behalf of the nation. Um, there's four different communities of Mohawk. Um, there's Gunawage, where my mom's from. There's Akwesasne, which is in the United States. There's Oka, and then there's Gunasakte, and Gunasakte and Oka are both in the uh, Canadian uh, area. So yeah, I mean, elders are very well respected. Um, they often tell the stories that are taught. Most of the stories have a moral. There's always a moral to the story, like old fables, um, and that's why we have storytelling time, which is like you know, it's a grand time for everyone to listen and to learn. And that's how manners and all of that should be raised up. But again, there are not a lot of elders left. So when you see an elder who is a, a native elder, it's kind of like, and especially now nobody sees anybody because everyone's staying at home. <laughs> so, you know, see someone out, you're like, wow, you're out. <laughs> But actually, you know, after you're 50, you're considered an elder. There's a thing called the 49er Club. 
they they make a joke about it at powwows, which are like dance celebrations that people go to, cultural gatherings. They call it the Forty Niner Club. So then you're considered an elder, but you know that's if you tell your age. <laughs> <laughs> you can keep it a secret, <laughs> right? So what is the significance behind um, naming the the clans after animal names? Yeah, originally those were the animals that were hunted and um, where the families, they were separated by the animals that they hunted and that's how they survived. Um, That was the original sense of it. So However, I mean, I don't know if people ate wolves. <laughs> I don't think they ate wolves, but who knows? Um, so I, what I heard is that uh, they're named by the animals that they lived near and that they either lived near or lived off of. So, yeah. It's not too much more than it. <laughs> Yeah. But if someone if someone has the last so say say I meet a wolf clan that is not Mohawk but there's mm-hmm. Oneida, um, we could be related, we could be cousins. Mm. So I always found that to be really interesting. So like the whole thing about it, when you're you know people are trying to find a match, you don't want them to be the same clan because you could be a cousin. You don't want them to have the same last name. Or you have to go through the whole like lineage to see how you're related, if you're related, and most likely you are. So you're going to end up marrying cousin if you want to be a family anyway. <laughs> cousin loving, yeah. they call it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice for you guys to invite me on. This is fun just to hang out with you. Yeah. What is your, can you, I don't even know anything about this podcast. How long you been around? Mm, like two months has it been? Okay, good. All right. If you said two years, I would have felt really bad. <laughs> We're fairly uh, new. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. How do you hope? Yeah. I think the, um, so the aim was, I think, when Eddie and I started, just to have conversations about things that are coming up here and now. You know, okay. things that we're living through, things that we're interested in. And mm-hmm. one of the reasons that it's great to have you here, I'm really interested in First Nations history. Okay. Um, I was in Australia and I met some elders in the community there mm. from the First Nation. And I think there is so much untapped knowledge, so much untapped wisdom that we need to return to but also at the same time bring it forward and yes. and to and to really get back in with that so i saw i was watching a post the other day and it was about an elder i think he's opening a school to teach mohawk oh and i always thought it would be extraordinary if it became mohawk cherokee a whatever the the nation was from that to be the national language of that area yeah. That language that's spoken in every school in that particular area. Yeah. So if we're if you're in Chicago, what's the what's the nation that lived there? What was their language? And that language would be taught in school. Mm. I always thought yeah. that would be an amazing way forward. And then could that would take us back to 
seeing the land in a different way, seeing the water in a different way, seeing mm. how we live in a different way. And that as well, it will also bring community. So First Nations, First Nations America, Australia, Hawaii, Erotoa, I think, which is now, which was New Zealand, Africa, and bring it all together and let's see a new way of living. And I think that would be extraordinary. Yeah, no, I think it would be. Um, well, if you go to Mohawk communities, the signs, the, the street signs are in Mohawk. And um, in the surrounding areas, close by, it's it's Mohawk. But a lot of the kids, they know three languages. They know Mohawk, French, and English because they live so close to Montreal. Mm. So if the kids stay in the community and, and are educated on the community, then they'll learn Mohawk growing up. Now there's a big immersion, uh, language immersion that's happening um, and a push for it. Um, but if you don't live in the community like me, that's, I'm, I'm trying to find out how I can learn the language because um, I don't know how to read it phonetically. If I knew how to read it phonetically, it would be more sustainable. And also it's it sounds different depending if I'm reading Mohawk and uh, from Canada as a Mohawk from United States because the G's are like D's, the K's are like G's, you know, so it's like, or no, K's are like D's. So um, like, for instance, uh, you have uh, Kateri, St. Kateri is the first saint who is a Mohawk saint. Um, she was, uh, she became a Mohawk saint um, back in, let's see, I was in Italy. So probably 2014, she was coined Mohawk saint. Her full name is Kateri de Gaguita, which means um, she who, uh, who crosses the river. Um, so Kateri de Gaguita. Um, and they just call her St. Kateri. Um, but I, I, had directed a play about the saint and that's how I learned a lot about the Jesuits. Um, I was working at the, at the museum, the national museum of American Indian and in the Haudenosaunee discovery room. And one day a Jesuit priest walks in <laughs> and, and I say, Oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm directing a play about a Jesuit priest. I mean, the Jesuit times of Kateri, St. Kateri. And I was invited to, there's a monastery in the middle of Manhattan that nobody knows about, but it's right there in a building. And I got to see firsthand um, journals of Jesuit encounters with Mohawks from like way back when, which was so cool. You know, it was really cool to have that research. Um, but with the pronunciations, everything was kind of... Um, kind of yan Yankee dies, you know, you're very Yankee, <laughs> the way that the pronunciations were written out, um, because they're, it's hard, languages, um, they, they can be easy if you're, if you're used to hearing it, you know, it's just about the dialect, uh, a lot of actors ha can take on dialects, no problem, because you're, you're learning about them, you tune your ear to it, um, but if you're just, you know, you're a layman, and you're learning dialects, it can be a little bit difficult. But you know, but you know, being in London, then you were studying abroad, 
I mean, there's so many dialects in, in England as well. People don't know about whenever I'm pretending that I'm British, I sound like I'm Cockney because I think I'm thinking about Holly Golightly. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It's very different. <laughs> very different. It's not, you know, I'm That's down, downplaying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also what you hear as London in films is very different to, <laughs> to, yes. uh, to spoken. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 But um, Australian Aboriginals are, I mean, their plight is very, very similar to uh, Native Americans. And I think people don't really recognize that. Um, I, I used to work with a, a woman who had a theater company that was with Australian Aboriginals. And we would have guest artists fly to the United States and work with them on their plays. And it was fascinating to um, hear the stories and also to see the struggles and how similar the struggles were um, and are. You know, land rights and eh, it's um it's easy to get bogged down and sad about it if, if you allow it you know but um I think one of my main missions is to help people rise and to try and um not overcome but to embrace what we have and then make it something more um by not assimilating, but adapting so that we can enrich our youth and keep them going with, um, you know, with positivity and to move forward because there's a lot of depression that um, is on the reservations and also um, a lot of oppression and um, people have self-doubt. And that's kind of ingrained from feeling like kicked up kicked down to the curb you know where people are told they're no good and now it's like okay yeah you are good you know so there's land acknowledgments that are coming out and that's been the past three years a push for land acknowledgments um mainly in nonprofit world i see it uh, i didn't see it when i went to an off-broadway show i don't think it's on broadway but i haven't been to broadway in so long <laughs> so um but I know that there's a push for um, nonprofits to have land acknowledgments start their shows and to start programs as kind of like um, an implement to acknowledge the people who were here before. So that's good. It's, I mean, you know, what do people think about it? You have a varied amount of opinions. <laughs> You're always going to have a varied amount of opinions. But the point is that it's happening. And at least there's something positive that can come from it. And one is that we're still here. We're still here. <laughs> Andy you know? and I were speaking about that a while ago. We're still here. And um, did you read about, I don't know how widely it was shown in the USA, um, Standing Rock? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Standing Rock. I had a lot of friends who were there. Yeah. yeah. And um, it had... I was reading about it and all the nations coming together to fight against this uh, pipeline being built. Yeah. And, uh, I thought even that was an extraordinary moment because there was connections worldwide. And like, as you said, the first nations in Australia, and there are 
over 250 of these First Nations with different languages and cultures. And you go to Hawaii and you go to New Zealand and you go to Africa and you go to these places. And then I think when we, when we look at this, it, it enriches us as I think as human beings, all of yeah. us, to learn about these cultures, to mm-hmm. learn about their ways of being in how they are, not wanting them to adapt to this Western way, but okay, you're as you are, and that's enough. You know, you don't yeah. have to do more. And I think that's an extraordinary thing. And just learning about that, that way of being is being in touch with nature, is being in touch with the environment, is being in touch with human beings. And one of the topics of today's show was... Um, talking with you, learning about Mohawk culture and language, and also about how do we bring meditation out of the studio or out of your room into the world. And I think connecting with First Nations is a really important part of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to bring it. I I work in the theatre, and um, I also work... uh, on a marketing team uh, for a law firm now. That's my day job. And one really cool thing that, there's a lot of cool things happening, but one cool thing that they had me do was to plan their Native American Heritage Month outing. (laughs) It's like, okay. Um, So they said, hey, we see that you worked at the museum. So how did I bring it into them? Well, I got in touch with the museum. I said, can we go and see the new exhibit? And then um, there was a, another guy who works there. They weren't doing tours, but we brought a group there. And um, he and I kind of rifted off of each other about our knowledge. So I would say one thing, give little tidbits here and there. And then he would say, yeah, it's, it's a lot like my culture because he was Taino. And so uh, we had a different point of view. And also, like, he worked there at the museum um, doing a lot of the research for that exhibit. I knew about this exhibit like years before they were supposed to have it open and I was part of uh, helping them launch it as well. So both of us were able to incorporate together and I was, it was cool because his, what he had to offer, um, it it just blended really well with what I had to offer. And then it, it seemed like it was planned, but it wasn't. It's just that because we had such similarities in both the exhibit and similarities in culture. Um, like we were both culture bearers in our own right, uh, giving our knowledge and sharing it with folks who really didn't know too much, but were curious and open-minded and they enjoyed themselves. You know, it was a, it was a positive thing. There's also something that I'm bringing um, since they want to do um they want to do some work uh, with their women's group. Um, they have a women's initiative. And I'm going to bring the um, the topic of murdered and missing Indigenous women to them. So uh, that's something that now people are starting to learn about. And um, unfortunately, there's like a, um, what do you call it? It's like a, a stop that happens when um, with the law. Uh, when a, a crime happens on reservations and the reservation wants to be sovereign, the government doesn't want to intervene because they're like, well, you're sovereign. 
However, if it's a crime against a person, it becomes a human crime, a human humanity issue, you know, so then it should be um, the government steps in because that's a human issue. So then that's, that kind of bears a question of where do we lie in that equation? Aren't we human? Don't we deserve also the same kind of dignity as anyone else who has been missing or murdered? You know, so that's a, a crime that's that's not solved. So now there's this push for um, awareness and also a push for help, which is different than in the past because in the past, it's sovereignty and, and government and law all were supposed to be separate um, along the lines. But um, the reason I say that this is good for blending into my life is because now I can add some um, some value into the job that I have. And I always felt like, oh, I have these side jobs. What, what value is that going to bring? But if you can leverage your like survival job or job that you have in addition to your arts, then that's beneficial and that's doing something because my arts has always been about um, bridging the gap between non-native and native world and also um, uh, educating the public about stereotypes and breaking those stereotypes so that it could be a positive um, educational push, not just within native communities to add opportunities, but also to have an understanding with people that might be curious and open-minded. You know? <laughs> I think it would be just, um, I mean, it's great having Indigenous Peoples Day or Black History Month, but these mm. days are every day. Every yeah. day is Indigenous Peoples Day because that's history. And that's how it is. And I think, you know, or, or Black History Month is every month. Yeah, bring it into everyday history lessons. Bring it into everyday conversations. And imagine we're walking down the road um, anywhere, and you're in America somewhere, and just mm. the name of the road is the name of the tribe that was there. It's everyday conversation. And yeah, it's learned in every school. The language learned in every school, and it's just yeah. how it is because it's not a side note just to look at one month or one day a year, but it's history being taught because it is the story of that land. Yes, I agree. I agree. Well, then we have to have more guest artists who are guest uh, teachers who know the language <laughs> to come in and um, to bring it. Uh, that would definitely be helpful. There are some language lessons that are independently done in, in the city, in, in Manhattan, um, but it's not wi widely known. You have to kind of be in the know to find out about it. <laughs> um, I don't think that they're through the library yet, but um, I don't know. I mean, New York is a little bit different than the rest of the world, right? Like as far as um, things that are brought here. You know, I, like, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. That's where I was born. And I, I, I moved around a lot. And I could tell you this much, like a lot of the education I received in New York and also the opportunities that are available here were not available to me in Atlanta. And they weren't available to me like in Virginia. Um, but 
the, the school systems are a little bit more um, progressive. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of, I, I know Ade wanted me to talk about education. Um, and I used to teach in the schools, but that was a while back. It was in 2012. So I don't know what the schools are like now. I don't think they've changed much. Um, uh, but I know that there are educational books that are coming out and they're made in Texas <laughs> um, that are kind of wiping history out of the books. This is what I hear is happening. And, um, but I don't know firsthand if that is happening. I can tell you this much. When I was student teacher at um, an elementary school in the Bronx, um, they had the school go to see um, uncles, what, what was it? Uncle Sawyer, Tom Sawyer, Tom Sawyer. We saw Tom Sawyer in the, in the theaters, which is so racist. And, <laughs> and it, they had um, one character was a drunk Indian and the kids were laughing at, at the, at the drunk Indian. And I thought to myself, Oh no, 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 no. We've got to unpack this. We've got to talk about this. We, we cannot leave the kids just hanging like this is, just how everything is. It's okay. And it really bothered me. So I asked the, the teacher, the main teacher instructor, if I could bring a lesson plan the next day. I, it wasn't in our agenda, but I was like, I'll just create one. <laughs> Let me just work on this to, to create. You said, absolutely. To kind of, because it wasn't something they were going to talk about. They, their questionnaire about Tom Sawyer was just what they saw, wasn't about what they thought. So I said, you know, let's let's talk about what they think and and also compare stereotypes that they've seen to the play and also to the cartoons that are out there and to like mascots that are out there and let's see what they think about it and how they feel about it. And so I did and the kids thought that they thought he was a bad guy, the the Indian character and they thought it was funny, um, the stereotypes that I brought in um, that they've seen on like Simpsons and uh, Disney and uh, the Chiefs, you know, with the buck teeth. And so they thought those were funny and they were laughing at them. And, and I said, now <laughs> I introduced them to me and, my, and then I brought family photos, different pictures of family. And I asked them, like, you know, what do you see? who do you think this is and how do you feel? And then I, I let them know that a lot of people find it, it hurts their feelings because they didn't really understand the word offense. So it hurts their feelings and you're laughing. It's not how everyone is. And you just know that this is a story that you're seeing. Um, and it's not something that is happening all the time. And, know that when you're laughing at someone because of how they look, how does that make them feel? And if it were turned on you, a mirror, and they're laughing at you, how would you feel? So just start to think about the context um, behind the humor and just know that these are images, which is called a stereotype. So I was trying to give them like, what is a stereotype? What is an arch archetype? And because they don't understand those things. These things are learned. Yeah. All that stuff is learned. Hate's learned, you know? 
It's not yeah. something that they have to have. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Danielle, thank you so much for, for joining us yeah. today. It was really, yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, just lovely <laughs> to have you here. Oh, thanks for having me. I, I appreciate it. And, and I, I wish you both the best of, uh, your journey today and Thank also you. for Sunday, tomorrow, you still have another day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Before Thank the work. <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Have you said goodbye in Mohawk? Newa. Newa. Okay. Newa. 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 Thank you. And Ona is see you later. <laughs> Ona. <laughs> Ona. Okay. Ona. <sighs> Thank you, Adam, for uh, that, that was... introducing to uh, to Danielle. I yeah, think it's important to have these uh, conversations and to talk. And she spoke about, you know, I guess the importance of now telling our own stories rather than relying mm -hmm. on stories through told through one set of eyes create our own stories and show a different way, a different perspective, an idea of um, who, who we really are. Yeah, and I think part of that is uh, collectively, um, you know, uh, culturally, and uh, sort of individually. Mm. Like, what is, what is my story? What is Ron's story? What is your direct, you know, experience? And, um, <sighs> Speaking about, you know, um, I guess the main topic today was bringing the meditation out of the studio, the hall or where you are. Because oftentimes I think, we can be in these sack sands in these groups and we feel this energy, we feel alive, we feel we got it. And we're surrounded by people who've been doing the meditation with us. And we go out into the world and bang, the first thing hits you. And we can go back to the old ways of being. And I think it's time now to take this understanding into our everyday relationships take this understanding into our work, into our projects, into our creativity, um, this knowing of who, you, of who you are into every conversation. It's not to be left back there. You know, like the old adage was people would go to church for an hour, they'd come out and do carry on doing what they were doing beforehand. What about taking this and not leaving it there but this understanding which you've gained hasn't left you it's not mm. back there in the yoga studio it's with you and it can't leave you yeah but to then let let it come through in our everyday actions yeah i think that's important and i think 
first come into like for me in real time feeling anxiety feeling the vibrations in the body and i'm going through this now partly because that's what i'm feeling vibrations what I call anxiety, vibration in the body, the thought, what will people think? The thought, oh no, I'm going to disappoint myself. The thought of what others would think, and, and, and noticing also the tapes, the program. <sighs> the 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 threat to some image so for me i feel like it's important you know to add this here it's not even important is not the correct word it is real time in the conversation. And I think a lot of what we see going on in the world is avoiding this step, avoiding being seen. And it seems like the program is set up so that we won't look. So that, no, look at this, distract yourself from this. And that way of, uh, it's, it's so ingrained on, on such a subtle level and almost like a DNA level because the, my ancestors have experienced it, Parent, my parents have experienced it. And so this is the program. And as you said, when we began, stopping you know um stopping that program putting a putting a stop you know uh, not passing it along to other generations <sighs> so it starts here and even at risk of whatever anybody feels or thinks about me or thinks about whatever you know the image the threat to the image, that's not much of a risk, you know? So, you know, and, and yeah, yeah, go ahead. Eddie, uh, can I ask you a question then? So yeah. in those moments when you feel there, you know, you're alive, you're vibrant, and in these times when force comes to you, you don't <laughs> recognize it as just a thought. Mm -hmm. those times and you see it as it is and you realize you're not going to let it stop you what happens then at the other times when you might have the same thought but this time it grabs you <sighs> because your being is the same mm. so what's happening in this time when a negative comment will just you let it slide, have no effect on you, but another day, 
<sighs> it attaches. Mm, yeah. So what's happening with you in those two different times? The other time, it's it's the belief in it feels more true, feels stronger. <sighs> Why? Hmm. It's almost like, like memory, like it's, it's there, like it's something that's there. So there's a, um, a going back there. Mm. And, and the going back there is another avoidance. of feeling it, of being with the body. Is it the possibility that on the second occasion when we get triggered by it, that there's something for us to, to look at? Um, to see what's going on and not to see it as something negative but maybe this is an opportunity to see mm. maybe it's an opportunity to open up <sighs> and we don't may, we don't even have to go into the origin of it of where it started yeah, it's yeah. just to see it <clears throat> as it is because there are times, aren't we, when we can speak and we can chat. Oh, and we say, oh, it's just a thought. It's just a feeling. It's so, yeah, yeah. And we may have that around a group of people or in the meditation center or in the satsang. So what happens then when we leave that comfort, the space, and we get hit with it? An issue in our everyday life, in mm. our job, in our relationship. Is it possible to center ourselves just as we were in the hall, just as we were in the yoga studio or in the satsang? Yeah. Yeah, and, and just just feeling it. Because then I always thought that Doing the meditation practice or the meditation play is a term I prefer to use is just the preparation for the real meditation, which is going to happen in your everyday activities. Mm. That's the meditation practice. The, the one in the hall is to prepare you for that, is the, is the preparation for that. So we don't leave it back in the uh, 
studio. Oh, I feel it. All the chakras rising to right now. And then you go out and then you get hit by this thing. Why not? So I think sometimes if maybe it's not talked about it enough. Okay, we're feeling centered here at this moment. Now let's take it into our ordinary activities when we're shopping, when we're having conversations, when we're traveling. Yeah. We're working in our relationships. And it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to feel like, it doesn't have to be a doing, an accomplishing, a, a goal that's set. It could be just like, I'm friggin' feeling sad. I'm, you know, just, you know, telling, like, if, so, if I'm talking to someone, just saying, I'm, you know, how are you doing? I'm feeling sad. There's sadness here. There's this thing that I call sadness. I don't know what else to call it, you know? <laughs> And for me, it's in this moment, there's been some avoidance of sadness. And, and I don't have to spiritualize it or make it into a practice or make it into something else or have an excuse for it. Like bringing the meditation out of the studio and into life is saying, hey, I'm sad that there's this sadness, there's and, and breathing. Because if I don't do that, then what else am I what else am I doing? I'm creating some sort of thing to put a a pole, a, a, a ribbon, or wrap a pile of shit to make it look <laughs> nice and pretty because I care, you know, what, it, you know. <sighs> and it's done with the authenticity, isn't it? It's not, oh, let me go out and speak in a nice, soft, eerie voice every time I speak to people and breathe <laughs> deeply in front of them. <laughs> <laughs> and take a long pause before I speak. <laughs> that's, just, uh, <laughs> that's just fake, isn't it? You know, that's just fake. That's just putting oh, on, yes, put yes. on the costume, isn't Another it? Another costume. The, the spiritual costume. And <sighs> my voice go really eerie. And yes. Perfect. What, and I, what can I say that sounds yes. really profound <laughs> and... Yeah. Oh, like how can I? How can I kind of even express a t connecting with my emotions in a way that seems acceptable? You know, like, uh, and that's why lately part of my meditation is going out in nature and just making noises and just uh, that's that's my meditation. You know, and. This this is actually a real pause. <laughs> Aday, when you've had those moments in the in the forest amongst the trees, 
and you feel this connection. What happens when you go back into the town, into the city, and you're confronted by cars and people in the streets? Is it, what happens? Is it possible to keep that same connection as you're working in your everyday life? So we don't have mm. to keep going back to the forest, which is not that you shouldn't go back. It's great to go there, but take it with you. Yeah. Into <sighs> making your cup of tea. We've talked about, you know, wabi-sabi as well, you know, mm-hmm. every moment, seeing the cracks as uh, as beautiful. And um, so you come out the trees in the forest and you're feeling this way and somebody says something to you. Can we still <clears throat> hold on to and it's not even holding on to, it's our, actually, it's our true nature. This peace and the stillness. Not as a kind of, but let's not make it something that's, you know, um, a concept. Oh, yes, we all want our true nature, but yeah. actually known in the actuality. So it's not even something you have to hold on to. It's who you are, but somehow gets disturbed by things that happen to us <laughs> yeah yeah the, the, i would say yes you know and it, one of the things i'm you know experiencing now is as you know i did um sound healing uh what is it called uh energy healing with uh eleonora and so like things are opening up and like now it kind of like hit me it is kind of <laughs> so like yeah it's funny because you know um you know she did some work on all the chakras and <sighs> so i'm just saying that out loud and hmm bring bringing that into the world is it possible? I think that's the question. And I, and I think yes, it is possible. It's, it's here in this moment. In this moment, it, it is here. I am here. I am nature. You are nature. Everything is is nature, and that is the the meditation. So, we answer the question: Not only is it possible, it's the actuality of it. Mm. So then, can we live it? <clears throat> I think this is the um. I might use the word being radical. Yeah. You're being radical in your simplicity. Because <laughs> yeah. it's not that you have to do anything. Exactly. You're being radical in just that you're being the way you are. And maybe the world is the one that is 
how the our idea of this world and how we set up this stru- these structures are the ones that are deranged, <clears throat> are insane. Yeah. So the rec- being radical, I guess, is just to have the strength to be yourself. Mm-hmm. And as you know, anyone who's gone to school, that's a very challenging thing straight away. You're going to hit with, um, you have to try and be this or that or somebody else, tougher, braver, more beautiful, be taller, whatever it yeah. is. But to be yourself. Outside of, outside of um, the concepts and ideas that we created, and not speaking through terms and words that we've heard from the guru or the master, but what's yeah. coming through a day. Yes, that's why I'm so glad we talked a little bit about language today and. <sighs> Because we we come into our our own language, I I, I, I think. <clears throat> yeah. Hmm. We we come into something quite beautiful because who knows what's going to come up next and every part of it is life every part of it is nature every part of it is the universe saying hello while noticing the the program and the survival mechanism all of that all of that stuff but st- like staying in this kind of um, hmm there's this gentleness about it there's this kind of fineness there's this it's delicate and um can you go on adding this fineness this gentleness this delicacy can you carry on there hmm hmm it is who i am at the essence it's mm. I just heard my eldest daughter come in and uh yeah so it's interesting we we the 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 face you notice the where the the sort of program the learnt way of hiding can take place in the in the face you know <laughs> mm. 
And what's amazing about what you said was... It's like a clown. It's like a clown. Okay. It's like a cloud. That's what it is. Okay. That's what it is. We're playing this part. <sighs> so it's like a clown. And I could smile and say, ah. And then sometimes... Hmm, sad. And nervous. And, and mind you, the show is being watched. The show is being watched like a movie on the screen. But it feels real. And there's a, oh, the pain. <sighs> like in the theater, someone getting stabbed and you, oh. Oh, and you do, the actor does such a great job. And the actor needs to get better. It needs medical attention. So it gets the medical attention. And we wait till the, the beginning, middle conclusion. And does the hero get to the happily ever after? You know, you get to the story and then it's, And then this, the show is over. But then we want to see another movie. We don't want the show to be over. <laughs> so we go watch something else and we go through it again. And we go with the play and we go with the... <sighs> and we feel it because we have a body and we can taste pleasure and we can taste pain. And we can taste and experience fear. And we can experience this point of view and that point of view. And we can experience all these so-called divisions and, and everything else. And they can feel real and have a certain reality on each level of it. <sighs> and the breath goes on even when we think that it's not going to until it doesn't, you know. And even that is part of the story. Because, you know, how does that, you know, really end when we are <laughs> to think that when I end, when this I ends, I end. When I ends, does I end? And that's one of the things I learned about nature when I had that fear and I looked at nature and the tree said, no, the tree looked at me and said, nope. <laughs> yeah. So seeing that all of this, all of these stories that we, <laughs> we create these stories, seeing that they don't really touch who you are. That makes what you are really quite extraordinary. Really quite remarkable.
and we use those gentle terms of simplicity of gentleness is you know even that what power then then has this mind with its old tricks got them that can take you out of this state of being yeah it could it could be simple it could say i think you got to use the bathroom and know what will people think or no i think you i, I got to use the bathroom how am i going to hold it the, the, this whole time yeah it could it could think oh what is someone else thinking you know about me and it can play that character as well and and feel it and you and it doesn't make any difference <laughs> really so there you know there is something kind of maddening about the whole thing it it can feel that way especially when you first step into you know this meditation practice and you have ideas about what will happen you know oh my life's going to be all hunky dory from now on oh, yeah. you know <laughs> anything anybody says any worse to me I'll just um, just float through but the reality is is the old ways the old fan is still going but if we see the nature of the fan then even the fan going won't really be a problem anymore the old thoughts they will come and they will go because that's the mechanism that's the conditioning but just to see it in our everyday life i think that's the that's the meditation mm, meditation yeah. is being <clears throat> and it can occur and it does and it is occurring in all heres and nows it's just it's covered over by this mind it's not something you have to search for it's not something you have to look for and i think one of the reasons we talked with daniel today daniel today it was the way of being a tradition in many of these ancient cultures around the world hear them speak about being at one with the earth and with nature blessings to the ancestors uh stories passed down healing yourself from within all of these are part of the once you know who you are consciousness expressing itself in the human body then yes things still come up you don't go blase but now i think rather and now you don't have to distance yourself anymore you can be fully engaged in it and at the same time see the story yeah <sighs> yes so 
Shall we end on on that? Because I I got to use the bathroom. I think we're at <laughs> an hour and a half. <laughs> Does not time fly? <laughs> yes. yes. Go you to the go you to the, you to the, and go before. But did you have your? Have you got your glass of water there and your cup of coffee? Uh, I'm drinking. Um, it's a tea. It's like oh, okay. a chai latte. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you to Danielle Soames um, for sharing all the information she did with us and spending time with us. And Ron, as always, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners. Thank you, everybody. And we're still learning. Still learning. Thank you to Danielle. And just keep on learning, I think. Just keep it going oh. and bring into this, into our... It's not a, you know, um, something we get from a book. We're living it mm. in our lives. Let's take this into our real lives mm. and share, yeah. share it with our other people. And, and we are learning. We are learning. We are learning. We are learning. We We are learning. We are learning. We are learning. We are learning. We are learning we are learning thank, thank you, you Eddie. thank you we are learning thank you everybody thank you and we'll see you soon see you